0: THE FRONT PAGE EVERY HOUR ON THE PRESS BOX. NOTHING'S WRITING ON THIS EXCEPT THE uh, FIRST AMENDMENT, THE CONSTITUTION, FREEDOM OF THE PRESS AND MAYBE THE FUTURE OF THE COUNTRY. NOT THAT ANY OF THAT MATTERS.
1: AND NOW THE NEWS.
2: The Texans have agreed to terms with D'Amico Ryans to be their next head coach the Texans have had four head coaches in the last four seasons. So welcome D'Amico Ryans. They do have the number two and number 12 picks in the NFL draft. I think the unfortunate part for D'Amico Ryans though. Is this an accurate statement D'Amico Ryans head coaching or first head coaching tenure will judge it as a success or a failure solely based off how good the rookie quarterback is they draft this year.
0: I think that's fair. We've talked about how important quarterbacks are, and if they, they're they going to take one, right? They're going to take right. one of these two guys, and if he's a complete bust, that's not a good thing yeah. for D'Amico Ryan. I, I mean, I'm interested in to see who he puts in charge of his offense.
2: Yeah, that'll be a very important hire. I, it's, I guess there's a, there's a possibility that the quarterback is just sort of okay, but he coaches up a great defense, and it's like, oh, They give up 18 points a game. They're the number five defense in the league and their quarterbacks. They're like the Steelers or something. So I guess there's a chance that that sort of plays out. But more than likely, if that quarterback's good, we're going to say, oh, D'Amico Ryan. If that quarterback's a bust, we're going to say, oh, didn't work out very well hiring D'Amico Ryan's, which is unfortunate, but that's the reality of coaching for the most part. he got a
0: six-year deal for a
3: reason. Will, they well, change coaches around? all the time. <laughs> At least he's going to get a lot of money out of Didn't this. Didn't Lovey Smith get like a four-year deal? Yeah, and they yeah said he that. wanted his whole. He was like, "No, you're going to pay me." Oh, it's not. <laughs> but, to,
0: it's not to say they wouldn't fire him, but right. if I mean, he was smart to get it so he can just get more money. Can
3: you imagine if they fired
2: D'Amico Ryan's after one season?
3: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they have a track record. I was just going to say, it's the Rex Ryan special. You have the best defense of the league, and you have Mark Sanchez putzing around out back there. Hey, they got to the, what? Two AFC title games doing that? Yeah. Like the Texans are in the AFC
2: title yeah. game next year. D'Amico Ryans will deserve a 12-year yes. contract <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty detailed question. Uh... Nevada beats San Diego State 75-66 to last night. Nevada has back-to-back uh, home this wins over New Mexico and San Diego State, two teams that were both ranked at the time. Um, Nevada by the way unbeaten at home so your Mountain West standings the top right now Boise State and San Diego State are eight and two Nevada's right behind them at seven and three and the New Mexico and Utah State have played one less game they are six each of them who are I six think and three play each other tonight oh do they play tonight okay, that'll be a fun I,
0: game. Jeff Grammer has tweeted uh Logan weather this morning ah, so at probably. four degrees so yeah. my guess is New Mexico's at Utah State so tonight. one of them will get to seven and three right. tie Nevada and be a game back
2: at the top um that's gonna be I mean we've talked a lot about UNLV and, and where they're going to end up the top of this conference the race for the mountain for the one seed it's gonna be a lot of yeah. fun and I mean Boise State and San Diego State are probably the best two teams in this conference but Nevada keeps winning the thing is Nevada's Ken Palm is only 50 this morning like they're they, which is good but even after beating San Diego State yeah yeah but and that's a, a good Ken palm but like that's a that's a bubble team number, right? 50 right, is right. a bubble team. now, But they've they, been on
0: every bubble of Racketology that I've seen.
2: But they beat New Mexico. They beat San Diego State. If they can find a road win in there, right? I, they already played at San Diego State. But if they can find a road win, I don't know if they go to Boise again or wherever, any of these top teams, if they can find a road win in there, they, they might need that because right. right, last night's win was huge. I think San Diego State's still high enough that that's still considered quad one, but... Nevada's metrics aren't great, but their record is, and they're going to be in this race, presumably in this race until the end of the season. Like, There's a chance UNLV might be able to play spoiler and take away the Mountain West crown on the final day of the regular season against Nevada, which would be fun.
0: Boise wins Friday in San Diego. They're going to have a huge edge, I think, if they can go in there because they they host San Diego State. Um, It's tough to win in Boise. San Diego State never plays well at Utah State. They get blown out all the time there. So Boise, that's a huge game Friday night. Boise at San Diego State for the top of the conference.
2: Oh yeah, Boise huge. State goes in there and wins. They are the a, they are definitely favorite the favorite to win yeah. the
3: conference. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. The kind of questions that Phil.
2: Alabama beat Vanderbilt one hundred and one to forty four yesterday. That, that's a conference <laughs> game. That is not scheduling life Pacific. That's an SEC game that ended 101 to 44.
0: Alabama not happy about getting blown out against Oklahoma the game no, before. <laughs> no, and they got
2: they got blown out by like 16. Yeah. And then they decided, all right, Vandy, yeah. we're beating you by sixty exactly. tonight. Uh here's your three point shooting from the game. Vandy shot three of thirty. Jesus. Completely dead serious. You give me thirty shots in a college basketball game, I'm making three. I might not be getting back on defense, but I'm making three out of thirty threes. <laughs> it's t- that's ten percent. Yeah. Meanwhile, Alabama was nineteen of forty-one. Yeah. Alabama all shot fifty percent and shot eleven more of them. That's an insane beatdown in a conference game. Thirty for three for thirty. That's that is so bad. As much as I've like criticized UNLV coaches in the past for not getting enough three point shooting, Kevin Kruger hasn't gotten much. I don't think they've ever had a three for thirty game. Like they've had some oh, games where no. they didn't they've had some games where they didn't no. make many, but it's because they only they've shot, never like, shot twelve or thirteen. But three for thirty is just horrific. Yeah, it's a good question. All right. We had a good question on the show yesterday. Are they wearing helmets during the Pro Bowl? And what would
0: Derek Carr wear?
2: Paul Gutierrez reported yesterday that they would not be wearing helmets during the flag football Pro Bowl. So he doesn't have to wear a Raider helmet. Does not. Can get away with the the blank shirt or the NFL Shield shirt or the maybe there's a Raiders logo on the sleeve. Did you see the Raiders tweeted out? Congratulations to Derek Carr.
0: It was. I mean, they and they also had a release on it. And I just thought, man, you, the, the the people writing their release are like, uh, oh, here we go.
2: We got to write this release. They might have thought it, the people writing it might have thought it was funny. <laughs> They're not the ones that benched him. They'd have been like, this is great. <laughs> Could, I was waiting to write this one. A genuine question on the helmets. Would a flag football game be more or less dangerous with helmets on? Oh, I think it'd be.
0: Less dangerous, right? I mean, they're getting—you get out of hand at all. Make take one shot at a guy.
2: Well, my thought on why it might be more dangerous is if somebody did take a shot or something got a little more physical. There's a helmet on that guy's head, and you have no padding anywhere except your own head. Like you get a helmet to the ribs because some guy tripped while trying to. I think it'd be more dangerous if everybody had a helmet on.
0: Yeah, I I I just—I mean, I'm glad they're not wearing helmets. I think that would look silly.
3: It would. It would look, it would very look absolutely silly. I mean, you also have just created a handle on the front of someone's face to grab. <laughs> to grab? Instead <laughs> of the flag, you're grabbing the handle. Oh, sorry. I meant to grab the flag, but I'm so used to, you know. We're, we're going to get an accidental tackle, aren't we? Oh, I think oh, yeah. so. It's going to just, yeah.
2: somebody's just going to be muscle memory. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh,
0: Someone's going to be amped up when they go for the flag and take somebody down.
2: Crossing route from a receiver? All right. Oh. Lower the head. We're going straight into the ribs to take him down and then get up saying, What's the flag Oh, I can't tackle him.
3: Valid <laughs> question for sure. The
2: franchise tag for running backs will be $10,091,000. So. Just over $10 million. As of right now, nine running backs have a cap hit of over $10 million for this upcoming season. Uh, Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott are actually the top two of that list, and both are likely to be cut to avoid those cap hits or restructure their deal. I know Ezekiel Elliott's come out and said that he would be willing to take a pay cut to stay in Dallas, so it'll likely be less than nine running backs with a cap hit of over $10 million. But just to give you context, right now, if Josh Jacobs were franchise tagged, he'd be right around 9 or 10 in terms of highest cap hit among running backs. When you see $10 million for a running back as a franchise tag cap hit, does, does that make you I, balk I mean, at it or say, that works?
0: I thought it was a lot, to tell you the truth, $10 million. I thought it was a lot for a running back. Um, I don't know what you thought in terms of that, but I thought it was a lot. Uh, I think they're going to tag him. I think they're going to tag him and keep him.
2: It is 10 million for a running back is a lot. It's not an insane number that makes you say, "Oh my god," but it's a it's a very high number for a running back, especially if you think, "Hey, we can go sign whatever blank running back as a free agent or draft one and that guy's going to make 2 million dollars right. or whatever." So, it is a lot from that standpoint. I think the key though when we're looking at Jacobs and the franchise tag the franchise tag is a basically a one-year deal, right? So, right, you're probably fine. You're probably comfortable with 10 million for the one season. The problem would be, hey, you want three years and we got to pay you 10 million every single year. That's where you'd balk at it. At least in this case, all right, Jacobs, 10 million. You know, if he gets hurt, if he's just less productive. It's over after next season, right? It's only one season of a potential bad contract, whereas a multi-year deal could be multiple seasons. So I think because it's a one-year one, one year situation, it's not too bad. I personally don't think I would want to pay him $10 million even e- even given that. Even I if think, you, ta-
0: you mean you wouldn't tag him?
2: Well, I would tag him and try to trade him. If I thought I could trade him for even just a third-round pick or something, I'd be tagging him and trying to trade him because... It's an asset. You can potentially get something back in return. But if it was, hey, he's got to be on your team if you tag him, I might I might not do it. I'd probably you say. You might walk away from him? I might say, hey, we got some other holes, and you had a great season. It didn't really mean much to our win-loss record because we didn't Went make six playoffs. and 11. Yeah, so you're good, but we got other places to fill, and spending $10 million at the running back spot's not the
3: best way to do that. You just get 16 more million dollars and you're going to use 10 of it on a running back when you can just, you could find a running back. Might have one on the roster. Well, we, we don't we know. We they never gave him any carries. Did he True. really only get like 16 carries? Yeah, it was something, yeah. It was something crazy like that. Samir
2: White didn't get used. You've got to be kidding me, Derek. Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee Show said that the Ravens are expected to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. Does he play? On the I franchise think he tag? holds
0: out. I do too. I think he holds out. He's look. He wants a Deshaun Watson type contract. He's not going to be happy with the franchise <laughs> tag of which is what like thirty eight this year. Yeah. Well, hey, it's fully guaranteed. True. <laughs> that's true.
2: I think he holds out. I do too. Uh, if he if the, if it's a franchise tag that's slapped on him, I think he holds out, and I'd be fascinated to see who blinks first. Do the Ravens say, "Oh boy, we need him, and we need to give him what he wants," or do the Ravens say? We cannot give you a full yeah, guarantee deal.
0: Don't the Ravens have a, a Pro
2: Bowl quarterback? They do. That's right. So I mean, you know, I don't know how. I mean, I don't think they
0: need to blink first. They've
2: got a Pro Bowl quarterback They threw for two touchdowns. God, I hope that somehow uses I mean, an argument. They're negotiating with Levar. Like, well, wow, this guy was in the Pro Bowl. Uh, you can hold out, but yeah. Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley Uh-oh. over here, we'll be just fine with him at quarterback. I do. If you, if you're okay, if you're the Ravens and you know. That Lamar Jackson is going to hold out. Maybe you don't know, but you have a pretty good idea. You just assume it will be. Obviously, you're going to franchise tag him so he doesn't walk as a free agent. But is this basically the Ravens saying we're never giving him the fully guaranteed deal?
0: Uh, That's basically saying they're never
2: giving you Deshaun Watson or what you want. And if if the Ravens are are committed, if they're they're actually going to hold to that, obviously they could break and give it to him eventually. But if they actually hold to that, what happens? Does he get traded? I, if he
0: doesn't blink, yeah. I mean, you can't. How long would the holdout be? Yeah. You can't. And, you can't
2: go on forever. But I. And, but at the same time, if he's going to get traded, don't, doesn't he have to get traded to a team that's willing to give him the fully guaranteed deal? Oh, I would think so. Yeah.
0: You're negotiating. You're negotiating with that team right away before so, you go.
2: Let me ask you this, from Lamar's standpoint: If there is a wink, wink collusion among owners to not give out a fully guaranteed deal. What's he do?
0: I mean, I think he, I think he stays held out.
2: But it, but if if it's like, hey, we're not giving you the, the we're not giving say, it to you. we're just not giving you the fully guaranteed deal. We'll try to trade you, and they come to an agreement with the Raiders or the Jets or the Colts, whatever. And but the Raiders the, say we're not giving you that deal. All those te- and I, we'd assume that Lamar would get to talk to that team before the trade was finalized to talk about a contract, just like Devontae Adams was here. And all those teams say, well, we're not giving you a fully guaranteed deal either. What does Lamar Jackson do? Like, you want the fully guaranteed deal. The Ravens won't give it to you. And then if you find out that there's, you know. That the Raiders won't give it to you. That no team will because collusion, fake collusion. How much does he have? Do we know how many years he has left? On what? On his deal? Well, he doesn't have one. That's why they have to franchise tag him. If they don't franchise
3: tag him, he's a free agent. Which would be fun. That would be fun. To It'd see be the, the most fun we've that, had on that guy. Yeah. since that weird year that I think they franchised Kirk Cousins three, no, two years in a row. And finally we're just like, fine, go yeah. be in free agency. Yeah. He's like, okay, cool. $200 million. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So I, it's just, to me, it feels like there's this. Uh, well, then eventually you'd have to show up. Right. And it, it would be like, oh, nobody's willing to give me that fully right. guaranteed deal. All right, I guess uh, I'm playing for a non fully guaranteed deal, which would suck for Lamar Jackson because he might be forced to be the one that blinks in the negotiating right. because nobody else is willing to do it. Because there, there was a report, I'd have to go find it, that was sort of alluding to collusion among owners that they, they were they were mad the Browns gave out the fully guaranteed deal. Because, oh, you know they are mad at that because none of them wanted
3: to ever do that. Right, and they were like, hey, it's not collusion, but. Right. Come on, guys. Help yeah, us out here. It's like never bringing in a qualified quarterback who, he, because he did something during the National Anthem. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we
2: get into the Golden Knights and what might happen at the trade deadline.
3: Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll feel more strongly about one of the two decisions.
2: Text Granny and Bischoff
0: at 69187 with the word ESPN.
2: Coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to have tickets to go see the Black Crows. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Golden Knights, they it's the All-Star break. Don't play for a while. February, what, 7th, I think, is their next game back. That's why we had Aaron Rodgers leading us in. Makes sense. Um, but we've had a couple of uh, trade deadline uh, conversations about the Golden Knights. First off, though, before we get into what Vegas could do, Bo Horvat got traded. Uh, from Vancouver to the New York Islanders. So at one point, I think Elliot Friedman reported the Golden Knights might look at Bo Horvat. He's had a tremendous goal-scoring season, so they're not landing him, obviously. The uh, Canucks, or excuse me, the Islanders sent the Canucks a first-round pick for this. Um, it is top 12 protected, so if the Islanders completely fail, they will get that pick back. Uh, but I very much enjoyed Dom Lecision of the Athletic when he broke this down. He said, it's not often that we see a lose-lose trade in this league, but the Canucks and Islanders may have pulled it off here.
0: I mean, mostly because Bo Horvat's going to a team that might not make the playoffs.
2: So the playoff odds for the Islanders are 19% yeah. after getting Bo Uh So, yes, it's a team who is not likely to make the playoffs. They just a made big this move. deal and gave up a one. Right. Like imagine the Raiders giving up like a first round pick at the trade deadline to get uh, whatever, a good player, but it wouldn't have made a difference in terms of finished six and 11. Right. Uh, And then the reason he basically gave for it being a, a lose or a loss for the Canucks is because they did get a first round pick, but the players involved in the trade aren't going to be helpful for the Canucks. Like the best player that's going to Vancouver is like a free agent after next season. And he was like, this doesn't match their timeline at all. This guy's not going to be here. Like adding him is not really helpful to when the Canucks are Canucks are going to be good. So I just enjoy. Hey, this is a lose-lose trade. This sucks for everybody. Both front offices fail. But Bo Horvat's gone. Do you think the Golden Knights will make a big splashy move at the deadline, like we've seen? Can them they not do help before? themselves? Needing
0: goal scoring, needing some scoring, can they not help themselves they this
2: year? Might not be able to help themselves. It's what they usually tend to do. Um, and the reason I ask is because Elliot Friedman he said this week. Uh, that Vegas thing—they are really struggling, and I think they're going to do something. The question is, when? They could see—he's talking about a source. They could see Vegas liking Noel Achari or Ivan Barbashev. Now, the interesting part with those two—they both played for Bruce Cassidy before. They are both expiring contracts, so you're not—you're uh, com- not locked up for right. any, any. You're not committing portion beyond this year, right. unless you want to re-sign them. Both of them play for St. Louis. Chari has 10 goals. Barberchef has nine goals. So both have been somewhat productive in goal scoring. But the real key here is neither one of those is a big splashy move. Neither one of those is truly a goal scorer. They're both, as long as the Golden Knights aren't injured, most likely bottom six forwards. They're both guys that would probably, if they traded for both of them or just one of them, they're probably playing on the third line for the Golden Knights. Maybe the fourth line, but they're probably like a third line guy that'll score a goal for you, you know, every four or five games.
0: Why break up the bottom six are the only ones who are doing anything? <laughs> right now, yeah.
3: No, well, <laughs> let's, let's not break those guys up. You take those bottom six, you make them the top six. <laughs> exactly. And now you bring it <laughs> all in this group day, of bring You bring your chari in and say you're in the third line. Mark Stone's gonna get healthy there to be like, Yeah, we don't need you, man. <laughs> so Would adding a bottom six forward or two, I mean,
2: would that be a, would that, is that something the Golden Knights should do given where they're at and given what their team looks like at the moment?
0: I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. You always worry about injuries with this team anyway, so I don't know if it's a, if they absolutely need to do it, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing either, um, depending on who it is. These guys, like you said, are bottom six players, both of them. They have a familiarity with Cassidy, so yeah, I mean I don't think it's bad to do it, but it's not a big splashy move.
2: If if you had somewhat healthy forwards going into the playoffs. If
0: and throughout the lineup,
2: right? If the misfits were all good to go, which they are right now. Stone if was healthy. Mark Stone's back. You could reasonably say the Misfits will be good cuz they haven't been good recently, but we've got a pretty big sample size that they're A good line. You could reasonably say Eichel and Stone and whoever, maybe it's Stevenson, maybe it's somebody else, are going to be a good first line. And then, hey, Nick Waugh, we'll just say Barbashev, right? They trade for one of these guys. Maybe it's Kessel, maybe it's Paul Cotter, maybe it's somebody else. You could reasonably, I think, argue that trading for one of these guys plus getting healthier you'd have a legitimate shot at having four good lines. You'd have a legitimate shot at having, hey, our top two lines are intact. When everything's going right, those two lines are very good. Our fourth line, back when this team, before they got riddled with injuries and they were able to play the fourth line together, they were good. It was the third line that was the problem. And if you trade for one more guy and he gets to play with whoever you put down there, Nick Waugh, or maybe it's Stevenson down there because you want to move it around somewhat, I think you could work. You could talk yourself into best case scenario. A third line type of forward would be a terrific move for the Golden Knights, and could make everything work out pretty well for their forward group. It's a big it's, if, especially if you, you you know you're trading for a guy who's not. What you're not going to give up a lot. I stumbled right. through my words to get to that, but you're not going to give up like a first round pick to get Barbashev, right? No. If it's like, hey, we gave up a third round pick. Who cares? Okay, right we don't develop picks anyway. So I think I think you could talk yourself into that being a pretty good move. The problem with everything I just said, it relies heavily on the Golden Knights being healthy. That's exactly. That's a, that's why it's a huge if. If you trade for one of these guys, you trade for Barbashev and he's got to play with Jack Eichel on the first line because Stones hurt or whoever's hurt. All right, like it's actually you might need a more in that situation, but you're not doing anything like that's it's not worth going all in if you're going to be that beat up by the time you get to the postseason, which is, you know, it happened last year and it's happened at times this year is reality for the Golden Knights. And when Mark Stone's dealing with a back injury for the second time, you are probably looking around saying, "Okay, how worried should we be about this? And how realistic is it that he comes back and he comes back as Mark Stone? Right, Because if he comes back and he's battling through the back injury, it's not great. But if he comes back as Mark Stone, makes everything a little bit easier. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Jason. So can you confirm for us that Keyshawn Johnson knows who Jason Fitz is? I can either
1: confirm nor deny that accusation about Keyshawn. Look, um, we're not the smartest group. We're just entertaining. Um, I, I will tell you, I, it's like that is he's ongoing thing. We're like, oh, who is it? white guy with all the tattoos with hip-hop artist i'm like no man he was a country oh geez. you don't know who this guy is so that's where we are that's who we are but i, I will tell you jason fitz is trolling fits considering what's happening with the Raiders. so uh oh, we have oh, to yeah. keep him cool calm, and collective so he doesn't annihilate Derek Carr.
0: grainy and bischoff are back on the press box
2: joining us now from espn is Jason Fitz. Jason, we talked to Jay Williams earlier in the week, and uh, he was nicer to you than Keyshawn Johnson has been.
1: Well, you know, he's Jay Will. Jay Will and I go way back. We're good friends, even though he played for Duke. Like, I mean, that's one thing that I do have to acknowledge. here. like, I love Jay Will, but come on now. You can't grow up as a kid, as a UNLV fan and not have a special hate place in your heart for Duke. Like there is no franchise, no program, no, no team, no coach that I hate more than I hate Duke basketball. But I, I put that aside for my love of Jay Will personally.
2: We are going to talk to Keyshawn Johnson later in the week. Um, if we ask him about you, will he know who you are?
1: Uh, well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's 50-50. Like, I've worked with the guy enough times you would think that he would know, but he took a few hits in his career. I mean, only a few because he's kind of soft. It just <laughs> sort of laid down in the middle. But, you know, he took a couple of hits, so I can't promise anything. I got, you know – I'm lucky that I work with the best wide receiver in all of ESPN radio
0: every single day. <laughs> this
2: is good. I, I enjoy this. All right. Did you uh, celebrate this morning when Tom Brady retired? Cause he can't be a Raider now.
1: Ah, no, look, I, here, here's the thing. And I, I got to say this loud and proud. I don't care who is a quarterback of the Raiders if they win games. So I'm, I was one that was clearly on the, if it's going to help us win, I, I just don't care. Like I, the, the funny thing is, as much as we all as Raiders fans remember the Tuck rule, like what what would matter more, the Tuck rule or winning a current Super Bowl? So, like, I, I, I don't care who plays quarterback for the Raiders. That being said, I never thought they were a serious con- uh, contender to be the team for Tom Brady. So, you know, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm kind of bummed today. But this made a lot of sense to me in real life, and it made a lot of sense to me on the football side. So I'm not surprised by it. And this morning when it happened, all I thought was – Well, he could have given Sean Payton one day to be the headline, but, you know, it's Brady. He had to be the headline today.
0: So you wouldn't, if you're Josh McDaniels, give him a call in a month?
1: No. I I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. If you're Josh McDaniels, the sales pitch to Mark Davis could not have been, let's go in on Brady for a year and then just see what happens. Like There has to be, and and that wouldn't match anything totally from Ziggler either. I think think their sales pitch the entire time, the only sales pitch that they can have as a tandem is, hey, it takes a second to build all this together, and if we're going to compete with Mahomes, like you're watching Pogo Stick Patty jump around while he makes all of these throws on a year that was supposed to be the down year for Kansas City, and they're in the Super Bowl. Your only sales pitch it can be let us develop some guy that we think can be uh, the next Patrick Mahomes, and we could be competitive, one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. That's your, that's your only sales pitch right now to keep your job. It's not me Brady with a bad defense and win nine games.
2: Pogo Stick Patty. It's a good nickname. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I haven't gotten approval from his mom yet, but we'll see what his brother thinks (laughs) about it. I usually go there first. Like, we'll go to his brother, see what TikTok thinks of it. Maybe I'll be famous. Uh,
2: As a Raiders fan, does Sean Payton going to the Broncos make you think Russell Wilson and the Broncos are decent next year or not worried about it at all?
1: I'm just not that worried about it. Like, I I think, you know, obviously having that right guy means a ton. And, uh, you know, it depends on what reports you believe. But, man, there were reports yesterday that, they were still reaching out to D'Amico Ryans all the way up until they realized they couldn't get D'Amico Ryans and then went to Sean Payton, which surprises me a ton. And it makes me wonder what everybody saw here. But, like, realistically, the Russell Wilson contract is what it is. So now you're going to have to try and fix that that quarterback situation. Now, I don't think Russell is as broken as last year made him look. And maybe by having somebody that's a dominant voice in the room, you can get him to play the way they thought he would play in the outset. But still, I mean, if everything breaks right for the Broncos, everything breaks right for the Broncos. The Chargers are still better, and so are the Chiefs. So, you know, as a Raiders fan, does it mean that there's concern that you're battling between third and fourth place? Sure, but if we're really trying to battle the Chiefs, the distance between the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chiefs is a galaxy at this point. So, you know, I I, I don't think anybody should be worried about Sean Payton. Everybody should be turning around and being like, hey, who is going to play on the defensive side of the football for this football team next year? There's Plenty of work to be done in our own house before we worry about somebody else. I
0: was wondering, as a Cowboy fan, I wanted him to wait a year and go to the Cowboys. Are you surprised he went to the Broncos?
1: Yeah, I am surprised for that. That is the one thing that I thought was surprising. If you believed that he was going to be in contention for the Cowboys' gig, then you a year. You know, is this a perfect situation for Sean Payton? I don't think so. Like, I, I'm a little surprised, given the fact that there is... You know, a hamstrung quarterback contract with Russell Wilson for the next couple of years, and given the fact that you are going into a situation where you'll be taking on dominant quarterbacks that are particularly young, I, I think this is it's an uphill battle, right? So, if I'm Sean Payton and I can pick and choose anywhere to go, I would have loved to have gone to a team like the Cowboys that after next year do have an out with Dak if they don't want to be with Dak. Like they can look at other situations; he could be part of a full rebuild. The Broncos can't do that anytime right now, so. You know, I'm a little surprised by that, but I think, you know, obviously he had the itch, and at some point, if you have the itch, you may not care exactly what you're you're doing to satisfy it. You just want to get back in the game.
2: Um, Are you going to buy the Derek Carr Pro Bowl jersey?
1: Uh, No. No, I'm going to pass on that one, uh, (laughs) only because I've already pre-ordered the Tyler Huntley Pro Bowl jersey. Uh, You know, look, the Pro Bowl, we, we had this debate yesterday on air, is the Pro Bowl broken? Well, I mean, 7 million people watched it last year. If all of us really hate the Pro Bowl, the thing to do is stop watching it. But it's on ESPN, so I'd prefer you didn't do that. So, (laughs) you know, I think realistically this year it's a flag football game. And everybody was getting worked up in our production meeting about the fact that these people are in the Pro Bowl. And I was like, I just want you to understand that right now the heated debate is did Tyler Huntley deserve to play flag football more than Kenny Pickett? Like that's not a debate for me. I just think this to me now is just like the skills competition was when I was a kid and like in the middle of June you would you get to watch the Pro Bowl Hawaii uh, you know, quarterback skills competitions where everybody ran around and threw the football. Like it was fun. Nobody worried about who was good and who was bad, it was just fun. So hopefully the Pro Bowl this year could be fun. Like I would rather see, you know, greased up offensive linemen playing Chris Coe Twister than any of this. So like whatever it takes to, to, to make us all be amused, I, I want that more than I care about Pro Bowls particularly.
0: Were you are you surprised they haven't allowed him and the agent to seek trade yet? Do you think this is more apt that they keep him and trade him afterwards, being Carr? I mean, did, were you surprised at that when it came out that they will not allow him at this point to seek a trade?
1: Stunned. I, I think that is a stunt, and, and that's a great question by you, because I think that's you know nationally an under-talked-about portion of this. It's like It's not a quick thing to seek a trade. You're going to want to talk to a ton of people. Uh, Carr's going to want to make sure that he's comfortable with organizations, and I can understand as was written that you know maybe they don't want anyone getting ahead of free agency. But who cares if you're letting Carr go? If it's it's all for free agency, then you know that that's just part of the beast. But uh, to not let him seek a trade partner at this point, you're only pinning yourself more against the wall. And and there is a no trade clause here, so I don't know what the Raiders' intent is. So uh, you know, unlike Aaron Rodgers, where because he doesn't have a no trade and The contract is what it is. I think the Packers have a lot more leverage than most people think. Uh, I'm not sure what the Raiders play here other than is to say, well, we're going to force you to sit on the sidelines under this contract, which I guess in theory they could do, but man, that just doesn't feel like a great win financially.
2: I am going to ask you uh, a question that might take some thinking from you, but is there a musician that you uh, have met or hung out with in your life that is similar to Patrick Beverly?
1: No, you, an antagonistic uh, just wants to get under everybody's skin, <laughs> and then uh, at the same time reminds you of their greatness while they do it. Um, that is a really difficult. Like that is a yeah a difficult question. I mean, usually when you think egos in bands, you go straight to guitar players or drummers. Uh, okay, so I'll give you this. This would be my best example. Uh, most people will have no idea who this person is, but the drummer for Jason Aldean. We all know who Jason Aldean. The drummer for Jason Aldean is one of the best in, in the touring industry. His name is Rich Redmond. And Rich is this big, like he walks in the room and he immediately sounds like Gilbert Gottfried from a mile away going, Hey, what's that? Everywhere he goes, he's that. And so because of that, although Rich is a spectacular human being, he gets a little under your skin. And when he plays well, he definitely walks off stage reminding you he played well. So you have Gilbert Gottfried sort of trash-talking you about how good the show is. So I, I think the first example I would give would maybe be Rich, but I say that with love and kindness.
2: What's the musician equivalent to grabbing somebody's camera to go show the referee they missed a call? Like what, how, what even comes close to that?
1: Okay, so the only thing I would say there is like you know when I was uh, when I was with the band, uh, because I was a musical director, I had a microphone in front of me to sing, but I had a foot switch. So if I stepped on the switch, I could actually talk to the band members in a way nobody could hear because you were all wearing those molded in-ear monitors, right? So um, I would always call out like if, if you know the lead singer wanted to skip a song, I would call out and, you know, say, nod your head if you can hear me. So if you ever see the entire band nod their head in unison, it means someone communicated and audible in the set, right? Uh, but many guys on some sets have those uh, in your ears, and I have witnessed, I think it was the Justin Timberlake uh, tour when we were doing uh, an event that Justin Timberlake was at. I've witnessed his two different people that had that arguing with each other in the middle of a set during, <laughs> that's the closest I can get to, where <laughs> one guy's telling you that, we're skipping the next song and the next guy's telling you we're not one person's in charge of running all the tracks and all the the lighting cues that come to it. And they're having the full blown argument on stage about what's about to happen. It was electric. I'm not going to lie. It was very electric. Wait, wait,
2: who gets the final say if there's argument between two guys about skipping a song or not skipping, who whose decision actually stands?
1: The the person that technically was in charge of just the musicians, Skip the song, and that happened. Uh, so then the other guy just stood there and yelled and screamed on stage. Also, <laughs> there is this Instagram video that's going around everywhere, which means it was probably on TikTok three months ago because I'm old. But there's an Instagram video of the band leader for Michael Jackson missing the end of a song live. And I just saw this, like, yesterday. Missed the song, end of the song live, so the band is vamping, and Michael is obviously upset. So while he's doing his little ad over the vamp, He's ad living the, the, the name of the guy, Billy, and he's like, what you going to do now for a living, Billy? You got fired, Billy. He fired his band leader on stage in the middle of the song for Missing the cue. That's pretty strong, too.
0: So does, if you're in the middle of set, does, does Timberlake have in his ear, can he turn it off as well or no? He has to listen to it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so Tim, Timberlake's got a total different person. Like there's a person on the side of the stage that controls what all of us hear in our in-ears. So Timberlake has none of that because he doesn't want to have to deal with it. So he's probably at most got one person communicating anything to him. So a lot of times you'll walk off stage after a show and all the people in the band are yelling at each other about something. And the lead singer who just wanted to go out there and be a lead singer has no idea. Like, they'll come they'll be like, that was a great show, guys. And in the meantime, you've got like three people in the back room ready to fight each other. It, it, It is wild how little a singer has to deal with compared to what the rest of us have to deal with.
2: Uh, phenomenal inside information awesome. that I will now be trying to pay attention to any concert I'm at to see if yep. everybody nods at the same time. Uh, he's Jason Fitz. Keyshawn Johnson might not know who he is, but we do. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Y'all have a great free. Thanks, week. brother. Uh,
2: so there's Jason Fitz. Uh, I did not. That was classic. I guess. I guess I. If I took some time to think about it, you'd be like, well, of course, there's somebody that can communicate to them that's off stage. Like we know they wear earpieces, but. I never in my mind thought ah there's somebody that'll be like hey I'm going to talk into a microphone can you hear me
3: we're skipping this song let's go. I mean technically we should have that technology in this <laughs> studio but we don't. Little little uh like clicks, I should click, be able to on the ground I should be able to tell you in your ear hey right. this thing is happening or something like that but Tom Brady just retired. Instead yeah I have the Tom Re- Brady sound queued up let me know when you want to go to it. Instead, I just say, "Let's do some planning yeah. on the air," and say, "Just say it into the mic, Jared, because yeah, like, I don't know—I don't know what you're trying to tell me or communicate." Let's like, just I'm do just it. Like I'm just mouthing words at Tyler, and he's just staring at me like,
2: "Coin." I am not what? a good lip reader; not good at it at all, which is not ideal for these uh, situations. But now we got tickets to give away, or qualify you to win some tickets for the 20th annual Hall of Fame Players Party. That's hosted by Warren Moon, Shannon Sharp. Charles Woodson. It's Friday, February 3rd at Resorts World. We'll get you qualified right now for two tickets to go to the Hall of Fame Players Party. Again, Warren Moon, Shannon Sharp, Charles Woodson, all there. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Be caller number four right now at 702-364-1100. You'll get qualified to win to go to the 20th Annual Hall of Fame Players Party. Right back to Leonard, working on Vucevic. 3-0-5 to play. Shout out Pitbull. Leonard, step back, straight away. three. He cans it!
0: Kawhi Leonard raindrops. 730-point game. He's got 31. Back to the Finley Toyota Studios for Granny and Bischoff on the press box.
3: Was that the Clippers
2: radio announcer? Randomly shouting out Pitbull? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I wonder if he does that every game. When the clock gets to 3.05, he shouts he says out Pitbull? Mr. 305. Yeah. Who, granted, has moved on from Mr. 305 to become Mr. Worldwide. So that's like a shout-out to Pitbull from a decade Back ago. Back in the day. Longer than that. I just am shocked that... Uh, Hold on, I
3: have another question. A
2: behind-the-scenes question.
3: Okay. Why do you have that? Why do I have that cut? Yeah. I wanted a Kawhi highlight. And so you just stumbled upon that? No, it said Kawhi Pitbull. And oh, I went, obviously yep, all right, <laughs> okay. let's, let's listen to this. Because okay. at the very least, it might have been a call where it's like, I oh, did it like a Pitbull. Yeah. And right. I was like, no, no, oh, this is better. This is getting played.
2: That's what I was curious. <laughs> so somebody else that's that's pulling these highlights
3: was like, yep, we're putting the Pitbull call out into the highlights. I'm What I assume actually happens is, Someone on Twitter put up that the guy <laughs> just did this, and then some poor intern at one of the ma- at one of the major networks that I have access to their sound libraries went. I guess I'm gonna go listen to the entire Clippers broadcast. Well, no, you know exactly what it is. Actually, three
2: o five. All right, I need to read a quote from you from Gary Batman. This is from last week. Gary Batman said. Nobody tanks because we have a weighted lottery talking about the NHL. You're not going to lose games to increase your odds by a couple of percentage points. That's silly. And frankly, suggesting tanking, I believe is inconsistent with the professionalism that our players and our coaches have. Nobody tanks our players and our coaches do their best to win. And again, just because you may finish with the worst record in the league, you've got something like a 75% chance that you're not going to get the first pick.
0: I don't, that's not tanking <laughs> thank you that's not...
2: <laughs> I don't think I I don't think he knows what tanking is
0: I don't think he understands it
2: no not at all I don't know why or how this argument continues to come up when people talk about tanking players don't tank no the players on the field or the court or the or ice. ice. They are not going to say, oh, I won't try very hard tonight. Right. Those guys are playing for every dollar they can possibly make in their careers. Even if they know our team sucks, they'd prefer to get the first overall pick. I need another contract. I'm trying to go for 35 tonight. I'm trying to set a career high in goal scored, whatever it is. The players aren't going to tank. the coaches aren't going to tank either. Now, maybe, you, Smith. <laughs> maybe there's uh, a few cases where a coach is like the general manager or something and the roster they put together is not very good. But 99% of the time, the in-game coach, he's also coaching for his right. next contract. He wants to win games. He d- no coach wants to be, ah, my football team would 0 16. Oh, my, my hockey team won 15 games or something like nobody wants that as a coach. Tanking is at the front office level. Tanking is at the roster construction level. Tanking is the front office saying, we're not going to... We're not going to put our best foot forward right. to improve this team or to get this team better because we want to lose. Right. We're not going to sign these free agents, or we're going to trade our best player because we're going to get back you know, good assets for the future. Right. That's what tanking is. And for Gary Bettman to be like, ah, it's silly. The coaches and players don't tank... Yes, we no all know. No one was saying they were. That's not tanking. And then the other part of him saying, "You're not going to lose games to increase your odds by a couple of percentage points." That's
3: exactly what we're <laughs> going to do. That's what
2: that's what front offices are doing. You can put in the lottery, but at the end of the day, the team with the worst record still has the best chance. Yeah, to the get best the first chance to get the number one
3: pick. pick. Freeze the envelope,
2: right? And <laughs> as long as that's <laughs> as long as that's the reality of it, teams are absolutely going to try yes. to get the worst overall record because that's. The whole the point of tanking is that you're trying to win in the future. Great, which is why i've I've always been. I always get annoyed at people who get mad at tanking. But you're I, you've always been pro tanking, right? Because if you if well, you're properly tanking, like there's a difference. Major League Baseball owners who refuse to spend money that's not tanking. That's just being cheap. no. That's just John Fisher, right? The A's they're they're just that's not th- tanking. Th- no, no, that's just cheap. Yeah. But proper tanking, like we see in the NBA, and we see it a little less, but we see it in the NHL, and we do see it in baseball. Proper tanking is sitting down and saying, we cannot win the championship this year. We cannot win the championship next year. So what is our plan to win the championship in three, four, or five years, or maybe even longer than that? How do we maximize our chances to win the title in the future? And I'm perfectly fine with that. Like if you told me, hey, the Raiders, we can't win it this year. We're not yeah. catching Mahomes and the Chiefs. We're not even as good as the Chargers. We're not winning the Super Bowl in 2023. We're going to do everything we can to maximize our assets for 2024 or even 2025 because that's when we think we can build a Super Bowl contender. I'd say, thank you. That's a legitimate plan. Teams that are just like, ah, oh, let's sign some free agents. Let's try to be a 500 or better team. Let's try to sneak into the playoffs. That's stupid. That's dumb. So, people got to stop complaining about tanking. The way the way they complain about it is stupid. The main argument for me to complain about tanking is from a fan standpoint, your team is going to suck for multiple years and it's absolutely no fun. Right? Oh, my team's the worst in the sport. That's a valid argument to be like, oh, we don't want the fans to be like, oh, they don't care about their teams. Right. But from a planning standpoint, tank away. Go win me a championship, even if it's five years from now.